0: A friend of mine recently uh, warned me that my preferred news outlet, the BBC World Service, um, is fake news, and I said thanks, you know, for the warning. You know? um, but after that, I, uh, I got—I started thinking, what well, would a non-fake news outlet? Look like, you know. For example, what could the BBC World Service be doing um, that would uh, protect it from accusations like that? Uh, and I was thinking there are episodes in the BBC World Service that I can imagine um my friend pointing to and say there you go there's evidence of fake news and those would be the um those would be the articles where the interviewer uh, can be demonstrated to be leaning one way or another, in any politics you like. And, uh, and a lot of reporters, see, the BBC World Service is, well, its, it's, it's main uh, priority is for its reporters to be a little bit like fashion models. Uh, you know models on the catwalk Um, when they're walking it's all about the clothes it's not it's not all about them, it's not supposed to be all about them, you know the humans, and I think um, with most BBC World Service articles the interviewer is just a mannequin and uh, inviting various people all over the place to place their their clothes on that mannequin, their opinions, and all that sort of stuff, their beliefs of what is true and what is not. All right. Now, I think, yeah, no, there are articles. The BBC World Service does allow its um, reporters in some of its programs to clearly come across, for example, less conservative and more progressive. It allows that a little bit. Um, Less so on the BBC World Service, I'm sure, than other BBC uh, programmes. But there are a lot of BBC programmes where that doesn't happen, where the reporter really is, genuinely, nothing more than a, a, a mannequin in the reporting sense. Um, One example that springs to mind is um, a reporter recently during the Armenia-Azerbaijan War uh, interviewed a spokesperson, a government spokesperson, from each of the two sides. And predictably, uh, that mannequin, that reporting mannequin, uh, I, I did not get a sense of where, what this, I, I couldn't tell whether this reporter thought um, that the Armenians were the true bastards in the war or the Azerbaijanis were the true bastards in the war. I could not tell. So at this point, you know, that reporter, if you can't tell either whose side that reporter is on, Well, I would say that's not fake news if, you know, because you've got a very simple scenario here, Um, two belligerents um, firing rockets at each other and um, someone from London has come in and has um, interviewed one person, it was a bloke, one bloke from one side and one bloke from the other side. So I don't think there's any fake news in that article. There's a point to what I'm saying here. I'm thinking if we just... uh, If we just distilled the BBC World Service and kept articles like that, maybe that would be a non-fake news outlet, wouldn't it? If you just um, cut away all the articles where there is even a hint of the reporter a little bit more pro one side than the other, um, would you not then, you know, in this sort of, might be a, you know, rather than a 24, you know, because we've got a 24 hour news service in the BBC World Service. um, If you took away everything that even had a sniff of you having any idea where the reporter is coming from, slice that out, and what would you have left? Maybe four hours a day, of news, and um, and investigative news too. You know, because um, this person who went out to uh, interview someone from the um, Armenian side and the uh, um, the Azerbaijani side, I don't think they actually physically went. You know, because of coronavirus, oh, Lord, they rang them, but. When I have a meeting with someone these days, from my shed, um, I um, I say, I'll see you there at the meeting. So we've changed the way we think about these things. Alright, so she went into those two countries via Zoom. Yeah. Um, so I think if we kept only articles like that, that are beyond uh, reasonable, dispute as to whether they are fake news or not, we would have a non-fake news service, you know and you could almost get a panel of people Um, now thinking about um, let me see, how many can I think of, four uh, disputes on on at present alright, the Armenia versus Azerbaijan war, these are four that I've been watching um, you get a panellist from the Armenian side and a panellist from the Azerbaijani side and say, all right, go through all the articles um, that the BBC World Service has published today in the last 24 hours and slice out anything that is has a sniff of uh, bias in it. And I think, you know, you would end up with maybe... Uh, 15 hours worth of news. Actually, you'd probably end up with 20 hours of news. Um, but anyway, but but once you brought a few other players in on this panel, all right, you'd, there's another dispute I've been following, and that is whether Donald Trump won the US election or not. All right. Now, in, in that case, if you had a news service where, uh, if you had a BBC World Service program where um, everyone on the BBC World Service you know, on that program, the reporter was um, was interviewing only anti-Trump voices. Well, that'd be sliced out. You know? But if you had a a reporter who uh, was uh, interviewing someone from the Trump camp and someone from the anti-Trump camp, and yeah, you know, maybe also. Um, Someone neutral, um, people, neutral people do exist. Yeah, you know? I mean, I'm one, really, in a sense, you know, um, but no, no one's entirely neutral. But you know, you could find a Martian or an Armenian, you know, you could actually have that Armenian interview that Armenian who's in the middle of a war, who, um, say, What do you make of this, Donald Trump versus, um, you know, Democrat thing going on in America, and he'll say, I haven't got, you know, I, I really don't have an opinion uh, because, because, excuse me, I'm getting texts on my phone as I'm speaking. Um, I don't have an opinion because I'm busy. I'm a, I can't think of anything except this war. And I say, perfect, I'll interview you. All right, please, just put the Armenia versus Azerbaijan in. War out of your mind, I'll you know, I'll explain. You know, or have a look on your app and see what's happening in America, and give me your opinion because you clearly don't care at the moment because you've got better things. Uh, whatever Donald Trump things are the least of your concerns at the moment because you know half your country, you know, you know heaps of your countrymen are getting killed. All right, so that'd be a perfect person. You can find neutral people. You know, I've got a goddaughter who's been um, involved in a war as well lately, and. I've found I can, um, because the war has been keeping her so busy and occupying so much of her mind, even though she did have a strong opinion about the US and all that sort of stuff and which way it was heading and all that sort of thing, um, previously, before this uh, war in Ethiopia broke out, at the height of that war... It really did seem like she just didn't care about the US because she had more important things happening. Uh, her people were getting killed. All right, so there you go. So I'd get together a panel all in all, and I would say, listen, go. let's go through, get this panel. Um, someone from each side of the that war as well. So someone from each side of the Armenia Versus Azerbaijan War. Get the, get those two people on the panel. And another text message coming through. Um, my daughter wanting a pickup. You know, I'm like a slave. Um, someone from each of the two sides on the uh, Ethiopia versus Tigray War. Because it's another war I've been following. Uh, someone from each of the two sides on the Donald Trump versus non-Donald Trump dispute and someone from each side of the uganda of uh, you know the uganda disputed election at present because i'm following that one right now okay and then you get other people on the panels and you can say listen between all of us yeah and i'd be on there too um let's chop out everything out of the last 24 hours of BBC World Service broadcasting—that is—that even has a whiff of fake news. Um, would it would it not be true that whatever was left um, would be a non-fake news news service? You yeah. know, and you could do the same thing with Reuters and Al Jazeera and all sorts of other outlets. Um, with CNN and Fox News in America, you'd probably just cut out the whole 24 hours. You know, in fact, I'm quite certain, because I've been, I I was listening to those two news outlets during the disputed US election, and I was thinking, well, with those two news outlets, you've got no mannequins at all, no reporters just sitting there um, seeking out the opinions of uh, different voices and staying neutral, you know. No reporter on either of those news services was doing that. They were all putting their two bobs worth in left, right and centre. Okay, so what you would do is you go through every article that the BBC World Service and Reuters and Al Jazeera and a few others um, and you'd even get a few non-English speaking news services. Deutsche Welle, you know. um, Well, that's it comes in English as well. But, you know, you get all these news services and you, you would um, you'd just grab the bits out of each that were definitely non-fake news. You know, and that example there, where the reporter interviewed both sides and gave both sides equal time uh, to say what each of those two sides thought. Now, in that case, that wasn't fake news. I think everyone on the panel would probably agree you couldn't have any nut jobs on the panel. Yeah, you know, they'd have to be relatively sane um, and you'd, you could weed that out pretty quickly you know, whether they are insane or not you know. um, uh, My friend for example who um, accused me of, uh, of the BBC World Service uh, being fake news um, his reason de jour, you know he's reason today he's always got yeah he's got reason every day um but in in this instance um there was a blackout you know it, in karachi i think it was in pakistan and there was a blackout in the vatican in the last 24 hours or 48 hours and um he uh, said that um, the BBC World Service was fake news because it neglected to report as fact that the, you know, essentially the Illuminati had caused those two blackouts in order to meet in darkness and secrecy under cover of the night, you know, as the Rolling Stones would put it. Um now it's possible that look there's a one percent chance he was right there's a a one percent chance he's right that you know the vatican was blacked out by the elite that is creating a new world order um you know there's a let's say there's a let's even say there's a 10% chance. Look, it's a 0.1% chance. But let's just be absolutely generous in saying there's a 10% chance that the elite caused that blackout at the Vatican um, so that they could meet in secrecy and um, make threats to the Pope and do whatever they wanted to do while they were at it. And, um, you know, that's possible. You have to allow that as a possibility. All right, I'm gonna be really generous and allow that as a possibility. Now, I'm uh, um, I'm also willing to allow for the possibility that the Karachi one was. <laughs> that they wanted to meet in Karachi for some reason. Uh, look, I, I couldn't put that at one at any more than 1%. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> yeah, London, maybe. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, um, but he comes out with these every day. Now, um, these, you know, because anything bizarre that happens in the world. Uh, There is a reason for it, is his idea of truthful news, you know Um, So The likelihood of him being right on any one of these items is anything from 1% to 10% or 0.1% to 10% you know, but given that he um, comes up with these facts every day pretty much um, and he's desperate for me to uh, To Watch videos that he gives me that prove all these things to be true. Um, given that he comes up with these things every day, uh, the likelihood of him being right on any one of those days is, let's say, one percent. Being absolutely generous, you know, absolutely generous, right? But yeah, you know, and you can allow him. you, know, you have to admit. There's a 1% chance you're right, you know. So, yeah. Um, of course, he if he was running a news service, he would be absolutely be fake news because he would report it as fact, as 100% likely. You see. so Immediately, he's out of the game. You'd have to leave him out of it. But even, look, let's allow him the possibility that he's right. Now, but the problem with conspiracy theorists like that um, is that he has to be right, you know, be given every day. So, all right, let's give him his first day. I'll give you 10%. You know, I'll I'll say that there's a 10% chance you're right, even though in my head I'm saying 0.01, you know, I'll give you 10%. Um, and yesterday, the stuff you said yesterday, I'll give you a 10% likelihood on that too. ah, oh, thanks, yes, I'm 10%, am I? You know, even if I'm 10% likely, you've got to actually take that seriously, he might say. I'll say, yeah, but you've said two 10%. You know, one yesterday and one today. He says, so what? So 10%. I said, no, no, the chances of them both being right, um, statistically, you know, that's 10% times 10%. So you're down to 1% already, being utterly generous. He said, no, no, I'm still... There's a temperature. You said, there's a 10% chance I'm right. And I said, no, no, there's a 10% chance you were right yesterday. Um, and a 10% chance you were right today. So the, temp- the chance of you being right both days is 1%. And given that you said something the day before that, three days ago, uh, there was only a 10% chance of that too. Being utterly generous. So you're down to a 0.1% chance on that one. Um, yeah, on, on all three combined. And if we just look at all the things that you have put forward as fact in the last year, um, you are a- approaching the limit <laughs> the, um, of you know almost it's almost like calculus, isn't it? The, the chances against you being right approaches the limit that you know we sometimes call infinity. Look you're wrong. (laughs) You're just wrong. You know, you're a conspiracy theorist. You're wrong. You're off the panel. (laughs) Not because of any one of the conspiracies that you trot out, but because of the sum total of them all, because it's not a sum total. You have to multiply them all. And as soon as you start multiplying um, the chances of you being right on all of these things, you're out of the game. You're absolutely wrong. Yeah, because of... um, the The chance of you being right is infinitesimally small. You're out, you're a nut job. You're not on the panel, Yeah. Um, so it, it'd be pretty easy to weed out people like that because as soon as they trot out, let's say five conspiracies in a row, as soon as they back 100 to one horses in five races in a row, let alone 50 races in a row, um, you know, that they've lost not only the shirt off their backs but their trousers too and they're walking out of Mooney Valley in their jocks if they're lucky or in a divvy van more likely you know because they'll um, they'll be too far in debt to the bookies because they're just stupid yeah because they can't they don't know statistics all right now that's a bit high-handed and a bit arrogant of me and all that sort of thing but I think it's mathematics I don't think it's I don't think any of this is my theory. I think this is what my statistics books are saying, not me. But anyway, so I think you could get a panelist together. You know? like for example, I've got a goddaughter who was on one side of the Tigray versus Ethiopia War recently. I'd have her on the panel because I have heard her saying, you know, Alright, I can see I can see what is blatantly, you know. Propaganda from our side, she says, you know she's been highly critical of her own side in some of its reporting and a lot of its reporting, actually. she rang me this morning and said, My side stitched me up recently um, because the other side made some claims, and my side told me that all that was propaganda and total lies, absolutely fact, and I have subsequently discovered that the leader of the other side was telling the truth. And my side was um, almost like as a knee-jerk reaction. My side was saying that he was telling lies because he's a bad guy. You know, she said to me, but the bad guy told the truth. Even if I, you know, I to me, he's a bad guy. Because you know, he's not on my side. I'm part of the war. See, I'm different. I'm not part of that war. You know, I don't dislike Dr. Abby, who's one of the belligerents any more than i dislike uh, Debretson you know who's the leader on the other side you know i don't dislike the amara amhara tribe which is on one side of the wall any more than i dislike all the tribes on the other side of the wall which are for example the Tigrays, the tigrans and the oromo you know um but she is on one side but i'd still have her on the panel and she would help me order um all the news articles that the BBC World Service was putting out on a given day, and so would someone who was very much on Dr. Abby's side, who I just, you know, I would have taken the time to discover, who is just like her, except on the other side. And he's just saying, Listen, Abby's on, you know, fundamentally Abby's on the right track. I can see his faults and all that sort of stuff, but one Ethiopia is the way to go. And, you know, this is what the other guy might say. One Ethiopia is the core truth. Is, you know, the idea of one Ethiopia is a good idea. And that's a core truth because there's a greater good for a greater number of people in that idea. Even though, yes, there'll be some damage to cultures amongst the tribes of Ethiopia. Whereas my goddaughter would say, no, that's uh, diversity is a higher value, and he'd say, no, one Ethiopia in unity, and even globalisation is a higher virtue. It's um, something that's needed, especially in the modern world, that is a one, you know, you can't get away from the fact that technology is going to make us a one world community, one way or another, and um, in the modern age, um, globalisation is uh, just an, an inevitability, and if you try and hold on to the old ways, Um, you're going to cause more damage than if you just give in to the fact that globalisation is here to stay and it's been ushered in not by um, ideology but by tech. You can't stop it, he might say. So get on board with one Ethiopia where there's going to be much more misery than if you don't. If you try and just hold on to your little tribal ways and all that sort of stuff, your cultures and all that sort of stuff You are just prolonging the misery for many people. Let's get moving. If we're going to have to have a new world order, let's get designing it. Come on, join me. And let's design it together. And yeah, my goddaughter said, no, that's full of rubbish. But the point is, um, both those people, I would make sure, are um, rational. Unlike my other friend, you know, who just trots out conspiracy theories one after the other. All day long, um, such uh, to the point where, um, even though I can admit that any one of those conspiracy theories might be right, um, the sum total, its impossible for—it's not even a sum total—the multiplication of all of those conspiracy theories um, tell me that he's a nutshell. All right, so that's that. He couldn't be on my panel. So, and I, I would have. To, Now, it'd be interesting to have um, someone from Uganda, or two people from Uganda too, one on each side of that conflict at the moment. Well, it's not a conflict, it's a dispute. It's a disputed election. Okay, I can't even remember his name. The um, current um, president, I think it's president, not prime minister, yes, president of Uganda. He's been in for 30 years, he just held an election. And, you know, so let's call him... Well, he's on one side. He just held an election and he cut the internet. (laughs) Just before he did. And his opponent is a very popular pop star, rock star. um, Bobby Wine. Not his real name, but it is his real name from now on. Um, And uh, and, uh, the sitting president has won the election, I think in a landslide, and he has uh, he has had his people verify the election and they have discovered, by his own admission, that it's the fairest and most rigorous election that Uganda has ever held. It was done fairly. Okay, now on the other side of the fence you've got Bobby Wine, now I think, um, the sitting president is more your Donald Trump kind of character. He wants to rule for life. It's quite clearly uh, the fact. You know, the, um, he's been in for 30 years. He's just won again, and that gives him another five-year term. They've got five-year terms there. So this will take him to 35 years. He's he's he's, he's the president for life, really. Um, now, so... Um, he's the Donald Trump character. So it's a little bit like the US election recently, except Donald Trump wins. You know? um, that's what's happened in Uganda. Um, but the other side, you know, which would be Joe Biden. You know, So Bobby Wine is kind of the Bobby Wine, uh, as in W-I-N-E. But he's coming across as W-H-I-N-E at the moment to a lot of Ugandans. Um, he's immediately... Um, come out with a lot of comments in the last 24 hours that make him sound exactly like Donald Trump in the US at the moment. He has said all the same words. Widespread fraud, um, rigged election, I won in a landslide, um, but the fraud is such that uh, the other bloke, the sitting president has made it look like he's won. Yeah, so he said all that stuff. It's almost word for word what Donald Trump's been saying recently. All right. So it get someone now. What I would do if I had a panel with two people on either side of the Donald Trump versus you know Joe Biden dispute, um, I would have those two panelists tell me, uh, have a look at that. You forget your election for a moment. Have a look at that other one. Whose side are you on? Yeah. On with all the articles on the Uganda election at the moment, cut away all those all the articles there that are fake news. You know, because over there the winner is the Donald Trump character. And yet the loser is saying all the things that Donald Trump is saying. So by the time I got all those those American players to cut away everything about the uganda election that was um that they that was fake news in their minds whatever i had left would be non fake news wouldn't it and then i could get the uganda people do the same in reverse and say listen can you you know just cut out all the bbc world service um articles about the us election that you judge to be fake news and you, all you'd have left would be non fake news wouldn't you and then we'd go and do the same thing with Reuters and Al Jazeera, and not CNN and not Fox News, because those two are clearly uh, partisan news services. Just clearly, I've listened. I listened to both of them, one after the other, during the U.S. election, and I, I just—this uh, um, is uh, surely—are they the same reporters? Jumping from c n n to Fox News, but saying the opposite things, you know, even the styles of the two news services were almost identical you know and um and they weren't fighting each other they were just they were just parroting one side you know the- the trumpian side of things the other one was tr- parroting the non trumpian side of things um and each of them had the same advertisements essentially you know about their local basketball and football and all that sort of stuff. So they were running the same sort of advertisements and all that sort of stuff when it came to football and things like that, or their football, American football. And um, and then, um, then CNN would say, can you believe the crazy stuff Donald Trump's been saying today, you know? That's what CNN would say. And then Fox News would cut away from the same advertisement, <laughs> except on the other side of the event. Can you Can you believe what crazy stuff uh, Trump's adversaries are saying today. And they, uh, there's almost a giggle in their voices, the two people on either side, as they just, as they, you could almost picture them shaking their heads at um, how bizarre the other one was. Um, but we noticed with Fox News, by the way, that when the big boss, that's Rupert Murdoch, when he sends down an edict, that um, I want all you reporters to change tack now and kind of, don't sort of completely smash Trump, but pull away from him now. It was almost overnight I picked it up, you know, um, that Fox News dumped Trump. <laughs> that was odd too. The same reporters were saying, hey, Donald Trump, you went too far with that last comment. I said, hang on, you were a Donald Trump lover yesterday. it's because Rupert Murdoch had instructed his, um, his robots <laughs> to alter their opinion, you know, and start turning on Donald Trump, you know, so, and then, you know, almost on cue, Donald Trump started smashing Fox News, you know, saying, ah, they're traitors to me, <laughs> all that sort of stuff, but anyway, what you could do, if you had such a paddle, one way or another, you know, and you'd lose some good articles and all that sort of stuff, and um, there, there would be, you know, at least four hours of news that uh, would be cut away that I personally would have left in, but you know. I'd...